This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms of preteens, teens, and young adults. My mission is to first and foremost support and encourage you, mom, so that you can live well and reclaim your life. Two, this show will help you have the best possible relationships with your teens so that you can communicate, motivate, and guide them effectively and actually enjoy them. And third, I will bring you top-notch guests who will share the newest in adolescent research and trends so you can be prepared and aware of what your teens are facing today. Always you will leave each episode armed with practical parenting tips. Welcome back, everyone. This is the 209th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. And here's what I know is that every mom listening is trying to figure out how to handle all things digital with their teens. This is a very complex issue because all their friends are online, their homework's online. So where do we draw the line? And we can't rely on our past experience because all of this is new. How do you responsibly parent a teen in the tech world today? How do you protect them from all the dangers? It's now definitely the number one issue parents struggle with. But of course, you know that. When you were in high school, your parents could relax when their teens were in their rooms, but no more. In this episode, I bring you an expert and a mom of an eighth grade boy, so she lives in this stuff professionally and personally. Titania Jordan is the Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Parent Officer of Bark Technologies, an online safety company that helps keeps kids safe online and in real life. A renowned thought leader on digital parenting, Titania has contributed to pieces in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Huffington Post, Fox Business, Daily Mail, USA Today, Vogue, and more. Her first book, Parenting in a Tech World, was publicized in 2020 and quickly became a bestseller on Amazon. Titania was also featured in the 2020 documentary, Childhood 2.0. She also frequently appears as a subject matter expert on nationally broadcasted programs such as The Today Show, Steve Harvey, The Doctors, CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, Fox News, Sirius XM Radio, and CNBC. Welcome to Tanya. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. The first question that I ask all my guests is if you are a mom, and if so, what are the ages of your kids? So I am a mom, and my son is 14. Wow. That's right in the heart of all the moms here listening. Yes. I, I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> it flew by. <laughs> it's true. How does that happen? My daughter is 27, which I can't believe that she's now 27. Wow. Oh my gosh. It, it seems like it's the longest trip ever as a parent, but then you blink an eye and it's 10 years later. 
it's surreal. Uh, you know, I talk for a living yet when it comes to the topic of motherhood personally, sometimes it leaves you at a loss for words. Yeah, it's true. So you wrote a book called parenting in a tech world. So can you tell me why you wrote the book? Sure. You know, I co-authored the book with my colleague, Matt McKee, who is a dad of two, wonderful, wonderful dude, great friend, great dad, great husband, not mine. <laughs> we wanted to, to put something out there for a long time, given what we did in this space. Both of us have worked at the intersection of parenting and technology and, you know, in the world of apps, as well as growing up in a time where neither of us had this access, but then all of a sudden we did. But my biggest sticking point was, you know, we're going to write this book. We're going to publish it. We're going to put all this time and money into it. And then, you know, two weeks later, it's going to need to be updated. So what's right. the point? Right. And being the innovator that he is, he found a way for us to uh, update it as we needed to. And then any new copy would be updated, you know, any new print. And I was like, oh my gosh, great. No more blockers. Let's go. The why behind the book, once we got past you know, the many, many blockers that come up when you're trying to talk yourself out of writing a book is that we're struggling. Parents are struggling. Matt and I were struggling. It's so much so, you know, I started a Facebook group a few years ago called Parenting in a Tech World. I invited probably 600 friends to it and it just started to explode. So many parents were joining it. So many questions being asked, so much engagement that Facebook even reached out to us and said, you know, congrats, your group is in like the top 1% of engagement for all Facebook groups. And I was like, wow, wow. yeah, we must be onto something. And now it's got close to 300,000 members in it. What freaked me out a little bit about having that amazing, powerful community and all that, those learnings there was that Facebook owned it. And at any time it could maybe go away. And I wanted to really put into print and digital format and audio format, like here's our collective learnings. Uh, from hundreds of thousands of parents who are trying to parent in a tech world. Here are best practices. Here's what you need to know. Here's data. Here's what works. And honestly, at the end of the day, we need to give ourselves some grace because it's hard. We're the first generation of parents having to parent in a world like this. So true. TikTok has been in the news quite a bit. <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the big concern here? What, what's the big deal? And what do you think about the Senate bill? So a few things. One is any app that is owned by a non-United States of America company should give you reason to perhaps look again. You know, there's, there's an added layer of um, variability there. Doesn't mean it's bad or wrong, but you should read the user agreement and the terms of service and the privacy policy. And for those who have, it's concerning. It's concerning the amount of data that TikTok collects about you. And it's concerning, you know, what they say they do with it. Now, does everybody need to worry about it and, you know, delete the app? I wouldn't say they need to do that. But I would say, especially for children, it's problematic. More so for the impact on their mental health and less so because of the data that TikTok may or may not be collecting about them and that China may or may not be using, right? Yes. Yeah. Anything that is a security vulnerability for our country, for our citizens, absolutely, we need to regulate it. But right now, the bigger crisis is the mental health crisis in our children, the rising rates of suicide, suicidal ideation, self-harm, 
anxiety, depression, sexual violence, eating disorders. I mean, we, we've got we got a lot of problems that are on our soil and we need to help our children. And TikTok is not helping our children. So what way does TikTok not help the children? Or how much time do we have? <laughs> so just from an addictive standpoint, right? Just like we wouldn't hand our kids a tub of their favorite ice cream and a spoon and say, I'm going to let you self-regulate, you know, go in your room, close your door and, you know, give it back when you're ready. It's the same thing. TikTok apps, smartphones, screens stimulate a part of your child's and your teen's and your tween's developing brain that is the same pleasure center where, you know, alcohol and sex and all of those other sort of things get stimulated. And so when they are on TikTok or on anything, they are not moving, right? It's not like they're going for a jog or playing tennis or hanging out with friends and being physically active while they're on the thing. They are solely focused on that thing. And if children with growing bodies, synapses that are forming in their brains are only doing this one addictive thing for too long, that alone is just not good for them physically and mentally. On top of that, because TikTok's goal is to keep users in the app as long as possible, right? So they can monetize you, your eyeballs, your time spent in app. They're going to work to surface content that is very appealing to you. So my TikTok feed looks very different than the person next to me and the person next to them because everybody has different interests. Now, if your curious child even just stumbles across something that maybe they aren't interested in, but they just wanted to learn more about, TikTok's going to surface even more of that to them. So let's say my son you know, likes to play video games that have, you know, really powerful weapons. If he's not careful about curating his feed, he could start to see some very, very violent content, very realistic violent content. It's no longer video game. It's compilations of actual tragedies that nobody ever needs to see. Mm. Um, you know, there's a reason why, you know, veterans have post-traumatic stress disorder from the things they've seen on the battlefield. And certainly our 14-year-olds don't need to be seeing that or 11-year-olds for that matter. Teen girls struggling with your body image and what you're eating and how much you're eating. You know, if you're all you're looking at are fitness videos and diet tips and photography tips for how to make your waist look smaller and your acne go away, you know, what's that saying to you? That's saying, well, society places the value on your beauty. It doesn't matter what's in your heart, it doesn't matter your level of intelligence or creativity. They're basing their self worth on things that are not. It's just not good for their confidence. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but it's algorithms, it's addiction, it's pulling them down into rabbit holes that they are not necessarily savvy enough to pull themselves out of because their frontal lobes are not fully formed. The part Mm -hmm. of the brain that controls decision-making and rationality and just emotional intelligence isn't fully formed until they're 25. Right. So can teens curate their feed? Yes. Teens can curate their feed. They can, you know, go into their settings and there's certain places on TikToks where you can, you know, click a button and say, you know, I don't want to see something like this, or you can, you can give feedback and really train the TikTok algorithm. But even then there's still multiple, I'd say investigations from very prominent journalists and outlets that have gone onto TikTok, pretended to be, you know, a teen or tween, and despite curating their feed, have still come across stuff that is not appropriate for someone that age. So yes, your child can curate it, but it's the internet. They're going to stumble across problematic content and problematic people. 
And is it true that filters really change how they look? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. So I think this is why, you know, we, we decided to have this conversation today. I went on a TikTok. I used what's called the teen filter, literally called the teen filter. And it showed a top bottom comparison of me as, you know, a 42 year old woman on the bottom, no filter, you know, wrinkles and sunspots and all that stuff. But then up top was what I'd say looked like me as a, a maybe 12, 13 year old. Wow terrifying and it was in real time it wasn't a still right which could have been you know photoshopped and that sort of thing it was in real time like I'm talking to you now and that's how advanced technology is so in the wrong hands for the wrong purposes an adult that is trying to communicate with a child for not good purposes could crop that and only use the top half and then your child thinks they're talking to somebody their age uh, when in reality they're not that is so scary. It's terrifying. On your Instagram page, mm-hmm. I know a lot of parents ask you questions. So what do, what do they ask you? Oh, gosh. My child really wants TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. When should I let them? Or can you help give me some talking points to support my argument for why I'm not ready for them to have it yet? Or uh, help, my child has encountered X, Y, Z. What do I do now? you know, they don't want to let their kid down. They don't want their kid to feel left out, but they Mm -hmm. just really feel in their parenting gut, their kid is not ready for either the device or the platform. And so I help them navigate the, you know, they don't want to be the last parent to give their child access, but they also don't want to be the first. And what's very important is the conversations they need to have. You know, if you keep your child in a bubble until they're 18, then all of a sudden they go into the real world, they're not set up for success. So it is important to have these very candid conversations about some of the most difficult topics before they get to that point. And that way they know that you can be a trusted adult and you're not going to freak out. And your first course of action isn't going to be to punish them or yell at them or take away their access, but to help them navigate, you know, the, the rocky landscape of growing up in a tech world. So what age and stage is best, what conversations to have before, what conversations to have during, what parental controls to set up, Um, What are some of the ground rules we should have? And then again, what to do when X, Y, or Z has happened to your child and how to move forward from that. I am a therapist. I've been a therapist for 30 years. and Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. So I do see up close and personal everything that you're talking about. And I lead a group of moms and one of them said the exact question, when should I let my daughter... And so I said, well, I'm interviewing someone who is an expert, so I want you to listen to this podcast. So how would you answer that? And then the the conversations you need to have. Yeah. So how old is the daughter? 14. Okay. So any parent of a child who is 12 or under, the first thing I say is, you know, there's a reason why these platforms say you need to be 13 and up. So... If you need to just use that as, hey, we're going to wait until you're you know, legally able to use these. That's kind of an easy out. They'll push back. You know, They'll say, well, everybody else has it. And they, I mean, a lot of them do. But anyway, that's just one, one data point. Next thing is it depends on what they want. Does your child want a smartphone? Which they probably do and you probably do in some situations, right? So you can text them. You can track their location. Um, you guys can call each other. They don't have to borrow a friend's phone or go to the front office, et cetera. You can, you know, send them funds when they need to, if they use, you know, digital currency, et cetera, et cetera. 
So I would say that before you give your child just a smartphone, before even talking about apps, do your research. If you do enough research, you'll realize that Android phones are safer options for kids than iPhones. Your child will probably want an iPhone because that's what they all want. But at the end of the day, you're in charge. And if they're able to communicate and surf the web and play the games that you want them to play, they will be just fine uh, with an Android. So Android phone is a safer smartphone than an iPhone. It'd be silly for me not to mention the fact that Bark Technologies has a smartphone. We launched the safest smartphone for kids this past December because of this problem, right? All, all these kids were getting these smartphones. They were arriving completely open, right? The parents hadn't set parental controls and it was just like, well, here you go. And so we launched, it's an Android-based phone. It's a Samsung A13 and it arrives with Bark on it so that when your child does want a smartphone and you think they're ready to have one, you set the controls, whether it's time limits or allowing access to certain sites or apps or not getting an overview of you know who they're talking to and then getting alerts for problematic content and people. That's the best first smartphone for kids is the Bark phone. And it grows with your child too. So let's say you only want them to be able to text, it can do that. Let's say they get a little bit older, more mature, and you want to let them have, you know, maybe Instagram and, and let them surf the web or research for school or just for their own general curiosity. You can allow that. Let's say they now want to download one of the social media platforms. I would say, and again, at age 14, I would say talk with your, I believe it's a daughter. Mm -hmm. Talk with your daughter and say, okay, we're going to do one at a time. We're not going to get all of them. We're going to do one at a time. If you could pick just one, what is that one? I believe she'll probably say Snapchat, but she could say TikTok or Instagram. So, mm -hmm. okay. All right. So you want to have Snapchat daughter. Let's just talk about the reason Snapchat exists, right? I want you to understand why this app exists. This app exists to send disappearing photos. Now, why do 14-year-olds need to send pictures that disappear? Well, there are some innocent reasons, right? Like you just don't want to have a digital footprint. Totally get that. But then there are other reasons that are not good for you or your mental health or your reputation. And those are the photos we are not going to send because even though Snapchat says they disappear, they don't. They live on a server somewhere. Somebody can take a screenshot. Somebody can take a picture of somebody's phone and you won't get an alert that it's been screenshot, but somebody has that. So there's that. The next thing about Snapchat is it's bigger than just a disappearing photos app now. They've expanded like every other platform to have other features, one of which is location. You should only be connected with people that you know in real life. You know, let's start with maybe five of your closest friends. That's it. You don't need 300 people because in your snap maps, if you don't have ghost mode turned on, everybody's going to see your location. So if you go to somebody's house and somebody else isn't invited, they're going to know and you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to be very honest. You're gonna, it's very easy to get caught in a lie. It's very easy to feel left out. And again, keep your circle small. So that location. And then finally with Snapchat, you're going to have to talk about the feed of like, they're going to try to serve you content to keep you in that app longer because they're making money off of you. And so as a parent, you need to know, like they can watch HBO and they can watch a lot of different stuff that you might not want them to. So that's what you need to know about Snapchat. If it's Instagram or TikTok, I would say same thing. 
and I'll be more brief here, but essentially know about algorithms, know how they want to suck you in. And you need to have those conversations about taking a break, about FOMO, fear of missing out, about the comparison trap, about how even as adults, we spend time on social and we oftentimes leave those platforms feeling bad about ourselves, Mm -hmm. feeling less than. I mean, just right now, you know, I feel like everybody, (laughs) everybody has been on spring break somewhere amazing and had the best times and nobody thought, (laughs) nobody got sunburned, nobody has credit card debt, right? Like, and so that you just need to know that. No, this is great. So how would you educate the daughter about snap streak? I mean, I almost feel like that's a lost cause <laughs> because it's it's a fun thing. It's addictive. But I mean, show her a video of a hamster on a wheel, right? Like this is you right now. This is you on snap streak. Like, are you in control of Snapchat or is Snapchat in control of you? So here's a question I have for you mm-hmm. is all of us are doomed with social media, so to speak. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, I mean, it's me. I mean, I looked at one friend's little episode on Instagram and that pops up these little vignettes all the time and it's never ending. There's no stopping point. I think that's one of the things with these apps is like, and with TikTok, there's just always another funny video or there's always another video. So Yeah. So you got to set time limits. You have to set time limits. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, you could set screen time limits. You know, thankfully, these tech companies have been more forthcoming about how much time you've spent, you know, over the past week. They realize that we need to be intentional here. But even the clock app on your phone set time limit. Like, hey, okay, I'm going to be intentional about this. It's noon. I'm going to spend time on TikTok. I'm going to set my alarm for 1230. And when that alarm goes off, that's my trigger. Time to do something else. Well, easier said than done, right? I mean, I feel like everybody's bored. That's all we hear is, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. My kid's so bored. It's okay to be bored. Yes. It's okay to be bored. Yeah. And the good old days before all of this, (laughs) when when they were bored and every teenager and every generation has said, I'm so bored, but then they get so bored that they actually go do something. Like they grab their guitar, they start playing, they go call somebody, they get together with people. Unfortunately, they don't have to go in the real world because they don't have to be bored. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I want to highlight is that it's one thing if we're like preaching at our kids. It's another thing if we're relating to them. You know, whenever I'm trying to talk to my son about these things, you know, I share personal anecdotes like, you know, hey, buddy. I'm telling you this because I see my own behaviors that concern me. I used to be able to sit down and watch an entire 30-minute television show with commercials, and that's all I would do is watch the show and I would wait. Now I'm playing solitaire on my phone while I'm listening to the show. And that's very interesting to me. That's a, that's a new development you know, in my uh, attention. And so just calling out what you're observing about your own tech use and, and mm-hmm. ask them what they think about that. And it's really about the conversation and the relationship, not about the power struggle. Oh, I completely agree. Completely, completely. Someone wrote a book called Behind the Screens. Mm. And what they got to, which was so great, is all the social dynamics. If we're just saying, you just need to be on your phone, you know, get off now. We don't understand 
all the social dynamics and it's loaded. Yes, yes. And again, back to the science. I think one time I showed my son, I think it was an MRI or, or some sort of imaging of the brain, you know, on a screen and then a brain of somebody who had just done cocaine and how it was very similar. I'm like, that's why it's so hard to put it down. Right. I know I've heard that too. That is just insane. Insane. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> so, so what do we do with that, you know? Here's my question. Do you think educating teens about how they're being manipulated and all of this is helpful? A hundred percent, because teens are very good problem solvers if they're motivated, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about teens that want a smartphone. They will write a book report for you. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) So if they feel like they are being manipulated or taken advantage of, and it's not good for them, you know, they'll, they'll work together to solve problems. There's so many encouraging stories of, of teens who have launched campaigns, you know, because they've lost a friend to suicide or Mm -hmm. their, their friends have been bullied or they themselves have been affected by, you know, eating disorder related content. Like there's teens doing a lot of good in the world to combat the negatives that have taken place because of social media. So, but they wouldn't have done that if they hadn't been impacted and then educated and empowered. So we absolutely need to educate our children because I have hope that their children, our children's children will be in a better place. and will have a little bit more balance because of what our kids are going through right now. I had someone say to me, which I thought was really good is, that we can have new rules, new legislation in place, because if you think of the tobacco industry, yes, like we never thought that you could go in a restaurant without cigarettes. Or an airplane. Or an airplane. Or a bus. Yeah. No, there are uh, inventions that have been incredible for moving humanity forward, but also had some risks. And until they were regulated, there were a lot more risks. For example, the car, right? There was a time when cars didn't have seatbelts. Then they had seatbelts. And are there still accidents and fatalities? Yes. But are they significantly decreased? Also, yes. Cigarettes, (laughs) definitely an invention, not helpful for humanity, definitely needed to be regulated. Same with lead and gasoline. And, And now we've got these smartphones, right? And so they are powerful tools. I mean, I still feel like I feel like James Bond, honestly, every time I'm, or Inspector Gadget, when I've got this thing that can do all these things in the palm of my hand. Incredible. Yes. There are some risks and we need to mitigate those risks and we need to educate everybody about those risks so they aren't unaware. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what new trends are you seeing online that parents should be aware of? I am seeing children are speaking to each other in very crass ways that any adult reading, you know, a text thread or a direct message would be like, oh my gosh, I I can't believe you said that. Like, I thought that that you were friends. To them, they're just kidding. To them, that's how they talk to each other. You know, they'll just throw this around like, oh, go kill yourself, or I'm going to go kill myself. And it's not funny. It's not something you should joke about, but that's just how they're talking. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, kids will say, hey, fatty, what's up? Apparently a a term of endearment, you know what I mean? But it's Mm -hmm. not. It can really be hurtful to somebody who might be struggling, you know, with their self-image and that sort of thing. So 
you know, the, that's the overall trend I'm seeing is just kids are talking to each other really, really crass ways that we did not talk to each other uh, in that way when we were their age. Sure, we said bad words. Sure, we teased. But it's just, it's just more and it cuts deeper. And it's because they're exposed to more mature themes, more profane things, uh, much earlier than we were as kids and at a much more frequent rate. So the word I've been looking for is desensitized. Our kids are much more desensitized. Mm-hmm. So that's problematic when we do stumble across something. Maybe we got a bark alert or we're looking through their phone or that we hear about something. And our first reaction is shock and awe, right? And so we've got to take a step back and realize, unfortunately, this is where we are as a society. And so we have to be understanding that our kids just aren't going to be as innocent as we were. I was in a restaurant a few days ago, probably one o'clock in the afternoon, family friendly restaurant. You know, there's games and it's kids meals and and they're playing these songs on the radio with F-bombs and the B word. And it's just, it's probably streaming from something. But, you know, we grew up in the age of radio edits, right? And like, there were certain things that you wouldn't see on television before 8 p.m. at night because of standards. The standards are gone. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the trend. You know, are there other things that come across, whether it's challenges or certain influencers that rise and fall because of certain outrageous things they're doing. Yes. But overall, it's just the desensitization. I agree. What I've seen with kids is they feel like whatever they do, quote, sexually online is okay. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like they don't consider that like really breaking a rule because it's not in person. Mm. You know, one of the things that has been really hard to see is the rise in sextortion. The FBI has recently released a warning to the general public about the fact that teen boys in particular, but girls as well, are the target of these schemes where they think they're talking to somebody their age, might be interested in them, might be kind and flirty and nice, and they acquiesce and and send photos and send videos because that's how relationships are, are developing these days sexting is the new first base in a lot of cases. And then all of a sudden that media has been shared and they can't get it back. And now the people on the other end uh, will try to get them to send even more images, video, or get them to send large sums of money because they're threatening that if the child doesn't, they'll share that media or embarrass them or or threaten to harm the people they love. That's a, a thing that is happening right now. Far too often, to very smart children in very loving, good homes. And so one thing I would encourage every parent listening right now is to talk to the child and say, hey, I'm, I'm pretty sure you would never do this. Mm-hmm. But you might because it's happened to kids just like you. And so I want you to know that if you're ever talking to somebody online and it turns out they're not who you thought they were and you sent something that you really wish you hadn't, you do not ever have to be ashamed to come to me. It is not worth your life. We will get through this together. I love you. Good kids make bad choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's so many kids I wish could have heard that uh, that are no longer here. Mm. Yeah. So how do you feel about parents checking their kids' phones? That's hard. That's like asking our parents 30 years ago, you know, do you read your kid's diary? And mm-hmm. the answer I would hope they would say is, no, I don't 
go into their room every morning after they go to school and read to see what has happened. I do give them their privacy and, and want them to be able to journal their thoughts without fear of me reading everything. And the flip side, if I felt they were in an abusive relationship or if their attitude or appetite or grades, or if there have been some alarms about their behaviors that have changed and they weren't talking to me and I did not know what was was going on, I might need to go and look for the clues for what's wrong with my child because I care about their health. Mm -hmm. And and same thing with the phone. If you are worried about your child in any way, shape or form, their phone will hold most likely those clues to what's happening. But you have to be very responsible with that information that you Mm -hmm. gather. You can't abuse it. You can't use it to necessarily punish them or yell at them or, or raise conflict because all that will do will ensure that they change their password or delete the stuff before they get home or create you know, secondary and tertiary accounts or get burner phones, you know, uh, secondary phones, they're, they're going to find ways around it. So you've got to, it's okay to look at your kid's phone because you're responsible for keeping them safe, both in real life and online, but don't abuse it and be kind and responsible with that information. You know, that's, that's why we created Bark was because of that uncomfortable dynamic of, ah, gosh, I'm giving my kid this thing that can access the world and let the world access them. And I don't want to go through it all the time for a lot of reasons, but with this bark thing, you know, you can connect it and the algorithm will scan and analyze and detect for those problematic issues and people. And then when you get a bark alert about some of the, the toughest stuff out there, that's when you can talk to your child and say, Hey, I got a bark alert. I'm really worried about you? And is this something you feel comfortable talking about with me? And if not, you know, perhaps let's maybe go see your pediatrician. You can talk to them or let's find a therapist who can help you with this. If this isn't something you want to talk to me about, because the point of it is to help you be okay, child. I want you to be okay. I love you. And I care about you. It's not about control. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not about being domineering. It's Mm -hmm. not about, you know, forcing you to live a certain way that I think you should live. It's about you being okay. And right now you're not okay. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. So for the moms listening who don't know what bark is, can you tell them what that is? Yes. Yes. Sorry. I've mentioned that a few times. (laughs) So bark is a company that was launched in 2015 by a dad of two boys. His name's Brian Basin, who used to work at Twitter and saw what was happening with kids, his own kids. And was like, there's really, there's a, there's a lot of problems out there. He left Twitter. He started Bark. Bark is technology. It's artificial intelligence that will connect to your children's devices, smartphones, accounts, email accounts, social media accounts, uh, text messaging, and then analyze those communications for dangers, dangerous content, dangerous people. When Bark detects a potential problem, it will then send you the parent an alert with, hey, here's what happened. And here's what we think you should know. And here's how to talk to your kids about it. And that's the core of Bark. We have expanded over the years to also offer, you know, screen time management and and filtering capabilities. We've also expanded to enable location tracking, especially with our smartphone, because a lot of parents, you know, just want to kind of keep track on where their kids are. Did they get to school? Okay, et cetera. And so Bark is really a a parent's digital tool for, for parenting in a tech world. That sounds great. 
I think so. What I love about your approach is it's very affirming, it's educational, and it's not judgy. What parents can fall into the trap of is that you have a bad kid. Mm. If they don't get off their phone, you have a bad kid. If they sexed, you have a bad kid. If they're irritable when they're on their phones, kind of jump to I have a bad kid or I am a bad parent because I can't control them. Yes, parents need to get over that. My child's behavior and actions is a reflection of me and my parenting. Like you need to go ahead and get rid of, you know, worrying about what people think of you as a parent. Because your primary goal is raising a healthy child. Yeah. And which is why I wrote my book, Dial Down the Drama, because. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Get that book. (laughs) And you mentioned neuroscience. Our kids are hardwired to make mistakes. And so now they're doing it on a huge platform. We did the same stuff, but it was more like, you know, we wrote a note and passed it and the teacher got it or something. You know, it's not seen by thousands of people. No. And I love that you brought that up about neuroscience and and learning from mistakes. You know, did you learn more by your mom saying, hey, don't touch that stove. It's hot. Were you like, cool, I'm never going to do that again. Or did you really learn because you got too close, you felt that heat maybe got burned and you realized I'm never doing that again. For me, it's the latter. Um, Me too. Sometimes, I mean, that's that's being a human is learning from your mistakes. So this has been so great. But before we close, what last advice do you have for the moms listening? Oh, gosh. Do not be afraid to be vulnerable with any mom friend. And if you don't have any in real life, Come to the Parenting in a Tech World Facebook group to find other moms struggling with what you're struggling with too. Share what you're going through because you're not alone. There are other parents that have been there before you and can help give you wisdom because we need each other. We can't call Mm -hmm. our moms, our grandparents and ask, hey, what'd you do during this period in in development? Because it hasn't happened, never happened before. We're in it real time. So we need each other now more than ever. We need to be non-judgmental. We don't need to sugarcoat it, but we need to give ourselves some grace, give each other some grace and really shower these kids with love because they need it now more than ever. We're living in a very uh, uncertain, scary time. They are desensitized and they need our love. So how can moms find out more about you or contact you? Thank you for asking. I am very active on Instagram and have a very unique name. So if you want to just Google Titania Jordan, there's only one of them really that's out there <laughs> that I know of. Come come connect with me on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and YouTube and all the places. But um, I'd say moms like us probably spend the most time you know, on, on Instagram and Facebook and I'm there and I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to follow you. Have you follow me? My DMs are always open for anything that you need to know. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Thank you. And thank you for what you do. And there is a great shortage of qualified therapists and mental health care professionals in this world. And I'm, uh, I'm sure you're very busy and just thank you for the help and support that you give people because we need it. Well, I also mutually appreciate your work. That's so important. 
we'll, we'll get through this together. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> this concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting, Moms of Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.